As I understand, we have a real tree. An interesting and provocative viewpoint on the broadcast advertising business. A man who has been seen or heard every day by at least 30 million people. For the movie cartoons, he provided the voices of Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Sylvester the Cat, Tweety, Woody, Pe uh, Woody Woodpecker, and I made the awful full call. <laughs> Five years ago, he formed his own company to create commercials. He states his business philosophy as follows. It is our possibly naive theory that the American consumer, while no intellectual, is not a moron. He has the ability to select and to reject. We appeal to his ability to select, and we use entertainment, imagination, and comic invention to communicate an atmosphere and a reason for his selection of a given product. May I present to you Mel Blank, president of Mel Blank Associates. What's up, Doc? For my second number this afternoon. <laughs> and then I wrote... Oh, I thought I saw a booty cat. I did, I did see a booty cat. You pretty soft, pretty cat. That pretty cat is me, suffering fucking ass. I get you wet? Yeah. I just did that to let you know who the hell I am. <laughs> you know, I'd like to break character for a while. I only give a few talks each year, and I generally use the time to explain what is happening in advertising today on as serious a level as I can. The following statements taken from three television commercials should demonstrate to us where advertising is going. I thought I saw a dove fly into Marge Johnson's window. <laughs> Dristan is like taking your sinuses to Arizona. Dippity-doo, dippity-doo, dippity-doo. In order to fully understand the foregoing statements, it is necessary to investigate the past centuries of groping and maturing that led us to this enlightened age of communication. Believe this or not, the first advertising was done by a sexually frustrated caveman. His initial attempt at advertising for a mate was done by standing in front of his cave and shouting, I want a woman! I gotta have a woman! This understandably produced no results. So he took the creative approach, advertising with impact. He picked up a rock and he gave the next girl he saw a smack on the head. Then he dragged her to his cave and fulfilled his desires. As primitive as this was, it has been said that advertising has changed very little since that time. <laughs> the next noteworthy man to come along in the development of creative advertising was Moses. Moses figured he'd have to do some pretty fancy promoting if he wanted Pharaoh to let his people go. 
So for his first presentation, he turned his staff into a snake. But Farrell was unimpressed because he knew that most advertising staff turn into snakes every Monday morning. <laughs> But Moses kept plaguing Pharaoh so long that he finally agreed to free his people. Of course, Moses had some pretty good help, like Cecil B. DeMille, <laughs> Charlton Heston, and God. And besides, his methods would be obsolete today. I mean, how would it sound if an, if an agency created a spot which said, Smoke Winston or we'll kill your firstborn child? <laughs> In the early years of the century, another important step in creative advertising was taken. This time it was by the Commonwealth Edison Company. It was the very first demonstration commercial. The commercial showed a step-by-step -step account of Thomas Edison in his Menlo Park laboratory in the midst of one of his important inventions. It showed Edison blowing glass into a pear-shaped bulb. He carefully inserted a thin tungsten filament into the glass bulb and sucked all the air out of it. Next, he attached a strip of copper to the bottom of the bulb and plugged the whole thing into an electrical outlet. <laughs> Finally, he picked up the bulb and said, Hello. <laughs> Soon, two new media were introduced, radio and television. At the same time, music began to emerge as an advertising device. The first jingle I can remember was sung by a group called the Cherry Sisters. The product was Manischewitz wine. The jingle accomplished a great deal. Not only did Manischewitz sales go up, but the Cherry Sisters changed their names and became big stars. You now know them as Ronald Reagan and Vincent Price. <laughs> Advertising quickly saw the advantage of entertainment devices and commercials and then took the logical progression from music to humor. Humor is now functioning as an important part of advertising and has brought us a long way from the shouting caveman. Several elements are needed before a humorous advertising campaign will succeed on a large scale. The first thing you need is a product. For convenience, we'll invent one. A new toothpaste called Scrape. Next, we need an advertising agency. If the agency wants to kick off a promotion for a new product, they'll often call in a psychologist to interview people. This psychologist told the agency that the scrape commercial should be designed to appeal to children. This piece of news was well received by the agency, who have always geared their commercials to children, <laughs> particularly their beer commercials. <laughs> But how does one appeal to children? Humor. Here's the first commercial. Oh, hello there. This is Milton Flirt for Scrape. We're at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Clyde Suckthumb and their little son, Homer. 
Homer was in a group that used new blue scrape for three years. Will you tell us about yes, it, Homer? Yes, 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 I, I will. All right, tell us, Homer, what happened after three years of brushing with scrape? Oh, I had to have my teeth capped. Oh, you are making up funny, are you not, Homer? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. All right, seriously, Homer, tell us what scrape taught you. It taught me that grown-up people are bad. And if I brush my teeth with new blue scrape, grown-up people will be afraid of me. Oh, you hear that, kiddies? Now, why will grown-up people be afraid of you if you use new blue scrape, Homer? Because I'll have new blue teeth. Oh, <laughs> but <clears throat> seriously, friends, pick up some new blue scrape at your drugstore. If your druggist doesn't carry it, do something clever like throwing up on his prescription counter. <laughs> oh, my... Well, the scrape people decide that it's two-way out, and the commercial is rewritten and re-recorded. Homer, why aren't you using new blue scrape? Scrape? Scrape. Scrape? Yes, scrape toothpaste. Scrape is great. Great? Scrape? Right, scrape. S-C-R-A-P. Scrape. Oh, scrape. That's right, scrape. What was that name? Scrape. Scrape? That's right, scrape. <laughs> Just as everything seems perfect, you read. You read in the trades that the agency has lost the scrape account. And their psychologist has been arrested for appealing to children. Well, Scrape appoints a new agency, which immediately calls Mel Blanc Associates. The agency is Schlunt, 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 and Gundelfinger. Gundelfinger, of course, is married to a Schlunt. <laughs> Schlunt, 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 and Gundelfinger want to go the humor route. And realizing their lack of experience in the field has called us to help. Clifton Schlunt, the account exec, after rambling on for 20 minutes about how he has always been a fan of mine, announces that he would like us to work out a campaign for him. On spec. <laughs> Perhaps I should define spec. Spec is what someone does now for nothing on the promise that he will get more than he deserves later on. It's also a small piece of dirt. Well, in spite of my feelings about spec jobs, I agree to a meeting. As I enter the agency's conference room, I am introduced. The agency principals are seated around the table. At the head of the table is the chairman of the board, Fairfax Schlunt. <laughs> Fairfax is 124 years old. Every now and then, he wanders into a broom closet and starts giggling. <laughs> he makes the big decisions. Looks a little like this. My name is Fairfax Lunt, and I make all the big decisions. <laughs> Who the hell is Mel Blank? <laughs> to his right is Clifton Schlunt, the one who called us. He is Fairfax's great-grandson and the account executive for Scrape. Clifton has always wanted to be a radio announcer, 
But he today, 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 today talks like a little, So he has never been been able to become an 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 announcer. He just sits there cursing Ed Rymers. <laughs> Next to him is Marcel Gundelfinger, the agency's art director. <laughs> He's very sensitive and he just wins gobs of awards. <laughs> Clifton introduces me. People, you've all met Mel Blanc from Mel Blanc Associates. Uh, they, they are going to create a, a humorous radio campaign for our scare, 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 scrape account. And Marcel says, I resent him. <laughs> I have my own ideas about handling scrape. I want to take a full-page ad in Strength and Health. Four color jobs showing a tube of scrape nestling in a seashell on the beach. Surrounded by four strapping men clad only in seaweed. Might even throw in a flounder or two. Sitting next to Marcel is Hans Huberman, the creative director, who looks at me and says, In the first place, I do not believe in humor. There's nothing funny about advertising. Advertising is the conquering of minds and, and overcoming the public's will by force, if necessary. <laughs> and if we did want humor, we wouldn't go outside. We go outside for nothing. Occasionally, we go outside for a cheese Danish, but that's all. <laughs> I know as much about humor as the next guy. I happen to know several very, very dirty jokes. But when I used to work in this Argentine advertising agency, <laughs> I was known as the Pinky Lee of the Pampas. But mine is basically a scientific mind. And my idea for Scrape will be the first campaign created strictly from scientific research and data. Achtung! <laughs> I will now play you my campaign idea. I want a woman! I gotta have a woman! <laughs> Well, this brings us to the present. What I like to call the age of confusion in radio. It's appalling to me to find that most advertising on radio was created and produced without the slightest understanding of the medium. I'd now like to show you several approaches to radio advertising we have worked with successfully, and I demonstrate them for one purpose only, to show you the variety of creative approaches that can be utilized when you set out to entertain as you sell. Heading up the list of creative platforms which we avoid like the plague are singing jingles, followed closely by hard sell, straight copy, slice of life, 
fantasy and demonstration. That is, we avoid these garden variety approaches unless they can be used with tongue in cheek, as we did for pepsodent toothbrushes on this demonstration commercial. In the interest of dental hygiene, the pepsodent toothbrush people will now demonstrate the wrong way and the right way to brush your teeth. That is the wrong way, and that is the right way. It's a slice, slice of life commercials that really confuse me. I always thought slice of life meant a believable segment of everyday experience. Well, I don't believe anything in those Procter & Gamble commercials. I mean, I had a grandmother, but she absolutely never worried about bad breath. She had bad breath, but she never worried about it. <laughs> Did you ever notice that in every Prell commercial, someone drops a tube of it on the floor? If that's a slice of life, it only shows that Prell cleans your hair but louses up your coordination. <laughs> anyway, we've created the one true slice of life, a slice of human dialogue for Fidelity Philadelphia Bank. Yes, that's right. Headaches. Terrible headaches. They would start in my knees, you know, and, and then go all the way up to my face. Didn't aspirin help you? Aspirin? Are you kidding? The only thing that helped was screaming. Screaming? Right. If you scream loud enough, a neighbor would punch you in the mouth. It made you forget your headache. Oh. But then I found a product that worked. You know, what was that? Fidelity Philadelphia Trust. I, I opened a checking account up there. You mean a checking account at Fidelity helped your headaches? See, the reason I had these headaches was that, well, you know, I was broke all the time. You oh, know? you mean you were kind of a spendthrift? Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd see a sale for some kidney beans, and I'd, I'd buy 40 pounds. Now, that's wasteful, you know what I mean. That's and when true. my bills came in for rent and water, I didn't have any money left. But with your checking account at Fidelity, you could keep track of your expenses, right? Yeah, it's like, well, having your own bookkeeper, for instance, and it gives me a great sense of identity. How's that? Well, my name's printed right on the check, see? Oh, so you suggest that... All the... people with headaches should go to the one-stop bank, Fidelity, and open up a checking account. It's better than taking aspirin. I mean, you could crumple up a couple of checks, I guess, and take them with a glass of water, maybe, but and then they would cure the common cold, for instance. Oh, yeah, you swallow the checks? Well, you'd have to mark them uh, void first, for instance. <laughs> I love satire and regard it as the most sophisticated form of humorous, humorous advertising. But it has value alone when the satire puts forth an effective advertising concept. I believe we achieved this successfully in a campaign created for a major eastern dairy, Martin Century Farms. The sun is high in the sky when Senor Valdez comes down the mountainside with his burro down into the town. Senor Valdez go into restaurant and say hello to all his friends. Hello, all my friends. Senor Valdez is tired and thirsty from trip down mountainside, so he orders something to drink, a nice... Glass of Martin Century Farm Milks, please. Hey, wait a minute, hold on. What's with this milk business? It's richer with that straight-from-the-farm quality. Listen, Valdez, you're not supposed to drink milk. Oh, but this is different. Martin Century Farms milk is milk that people who don't drink milk drink. I don't care about... Look, I am the one which schlepped the heavy bags down the mountain, right? Right. Twelve times a week, up and down the mountain, up and down the mountain, the rain, the snow, or the dark of night. Okay, okay. You drink what you want, and I drink what I want. And I want Martin Century Farms milk. Okay. By the way, what's in those heavy bags I carry down the mountain? I don't know. Me too. <laughs> The next commercial I'd like to play is one of a series we created for Avis Rent-A-Car. Most of you probably didn't know that we are directly responsible for Avis's advertising campaign. Well, it's the truth. Until they hired us, Avis was number one. <laughs> 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 
attention. We are situated on a main highway counting the passing cars that have been rented from Avis. The results promise to be exciting. This because of Avis's vacation travel plan. For $99, you can leave your car at home and travel in a new Plymouth or other late model car from Avis. There is no charge for mileage, and the price includes a tank full of gas and dependable insurance. Here are the final figures. The figures are in. 30,283 cars were not rented from Avis. 694 cars were rented from Avis. Avis has done it again, a solid 2%. (laughs) The argument we all hear against humorous advertising is that it isn't compatible with a serious image. We feel our campaign for the 1966 Cancer Crusade puts this argument to rest neatly. We use Jack Benny, George Burns, Lucille Ball, and a dozen other stars as our performers. And we used humor. The American Cancer Society has informed us that the campaign has motivated a greater percentage of the public to take cancer checkups than in any previous year. What humor does is remove the public's fear of a serious image but it does not damage the image itself. A graphic demonstration of this is a series of commercials we just completed introducing First Bank Card, Seattle's first national bank credit card. The job was to eliminate the public's reluctance to use the card to its full potential. Imagination, humor, and the able help of Don Knott's performance has accomplished this with a flourish. We've asked you 500,000 people to meet here at the summit of Mount Rainier because you're all First Bank card holders. Now, to make sure we have no non-holders here, I want you to take out your cards and wave them. Uh, you, you there in the plaid Mackinac, you can show snapshots of your children at a later date, please. Uh, uh, I don't know who threw that snowball, but that sort of levity is uncalled for. <laughs> Now, the First Bank card is an all-purpose charge card. With it, you can charge almost anything you need in thousands of stores all over the state. Also, you can get an immediate cash loan up to $350 at NEC First Branch. Now, how many plan to get out there and put their First Bank cards to use? And how many don't plan to? Putting a rock in the middle of a snowball is about as low a trick as I know. This year, my company will create several million dollars in new radio budgets by exciting advertisers about the use of the medium. A typical example is Bachman Jacks. We were hired to create four radio spots for this eastern manufacturer of snack food items, and the original air budget was $100,000. By the time we completed the campaign, the number of spots had grown to eight and the budget to $400,000. Uh, pardon me, is this seat taken? No, help yourself. Thank you. Mm, he's eating Bachman pretzel rods. Look at her pretending not to notice my Bachman pretzel rods. I think I'll take a big bite out of one. Uh, do you have to make so much noise when you eat? I've got a terrible headache. Sorry. She's just dying for me to offer her one of those big jumbo pretzel rods. Uh, do you live around here? No, matter of fact, I don't. You? Oh, I was born and raised in Pretzylvania. A <laughs> little bit of a Freudian slip there, wasn't it? I could kick myself. Now he knows I want him to offer me one of his Bachman pretzel rods. Well, there's only one of these jumbo pretzel rods left in the bag. I'll hold it up, let the sunlight play off it. That ought to drive her out of her mind. Listen, I I can't stand it anymore. Would you please... Should a gentleman offer a lady a Bachman pretzel rod? This gentleman didn't. Bachman pretzel rods are too good to share. But maybe someday... If we have a pet project, it's our campaign for Hebrew National Meats. This product has a a lot going against it. 
First of all, it sells for nearly twice the price of the competition. Our campaign had two goals. The first was to play down the ethnic aspect of the product. The second was to play the high quality for all it was worth with pompous self-satire. Our first idea for handling the ethnic problem was simple. Change the name to Gentile National. <laughs> A year later, we got another crack at the account. Here's the result. The Representatives Lounge of the United Nations has seen some of the world's most influential people. Important discussions are said to be held here 24 hours a day. Let's eavesdrop for a moment. People who have tasted life have tasted Hebrew national salami, franks, and knockwurst, available at leading markets everywhere. Well, in closing, I wish you all my very best. And in the words of Clifton Schlunt, that's all for you. That's all for you. Who the hell is Mel Blank? 